The following presentation of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions is from a previous broadcast and is a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Some portions of this show may have included promotions or giveaways that were time-sensitive and may no longer be applicable. To listen and download more of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, visit our website at take12radio.com and click on Recovery Workshops. I've got to give it up. The views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. And greetings, everyone, to another fine episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions. I uh, here with myself and Chris Schroeder. Welcome, Chris. Monty, how are you doing this week? It is a it is a chipper week. It is beautiful here in uh, beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon. The sun is shining, the birds are singing on key, the dogs are barking properly, and the cats are submissive. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way everything should be. Well, we are on Tradition 8 in the book, 12 Steps, uh, uh, yeah, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. Uh, folks, uh, you can uh, go to uh, the link on our website or go to aa.org, and uh, you can open up that PDF file, the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, if you don't have a book with you. So, Chris... Uh, Take us on this little journey here. Sure. You, you know, Monty, the traditions, uh, I, I love the traditions. Uh, the, the traditions are wonderful, uh, a wonderful series of, of best practices and, you know, very strong suggestions as far as how 12-step fellowships really should operate. And many of, uh, many of the 12-step fellowships that have adopted these steps uh, went right ahead and Adopted traditions because they really are tried and true, and they keep they keep a group uh, uh, from imploding from within. Uh, so often uh, groups can do that. You know, when you look back at the Washingtonians in the 1800s, uh, they were a, they were a group of several hundred thousand uh, alcoholics and you know people trying to stay sober, and they got involved in uh, a couple of uh, uh, a couple of things that that, that were. Um, you know, divisive at that particular period of time. You know, one of them was uh, um, one of them was uh, the abol- uh, abolition of slavery, and the other was um, uh, getting rid of uh, alcohol and, and you know <laughs> temperance. And you know, those those two things had an almost immediate effect of blowing the that particular fellowship up. Uh, so it went from hundreds of thousands of, mem- of members down to nothing in real, real quick time because it tried to do too much uh, for too many, and it got it, it got involved in things that it shouldn't have gotten involved with. You know, we're going to be looking at, uh, at Tradition Eight uh, tonight, Monty, and you know, with Tradition Eight, it's really the, the non non-prof- professional tradition, and 
you know, there there's a lot of con- most of these traditions. There can be controversy. Uh, you know, there's been some hot debate on on uh, many different sides of many of these traditions. But uh, I still hear because because I'm involved with so many people who are involved with professional uh, uh, addiction treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I there's a lot of people who uh, who you know quickly read. Uh, the twelve, the twelve traditions, and and decide that all of the alcoholics and all of the drug addicts that are working in uh, in treatment are breaking the tradition. You know, I, I mean, there's there's just so so much misunderstanding about so many of these traditions. It's wonderful to you know go back and and uh, and try to try to divine a little bit about what was going on with Bill and what was Bill's personality and. What was he thinking, and why was he doing these things? I think it's important to understand these traditions in that particular context, because he really wasn't putting out a rule book. He really wasn't saying, "Okay, you, you know, you're going to live and die by this. This is what you have to do." You know, you are not uh, in, a, in a group in good standing if you violate any of these traditions, and that that's not really the attitude that Bill Wilson had, although that's the attitude a lot of people have when, you know, trying to apply these principles to their to their groups or people in their groups. Uh, they can be very militant. Really, you know, his, uh, Bill's, Bill's attitude and outlook on these traditions were protective. You know, look, here's what we've figured out uh, works best. You know, we, we would suggest that you, you do this. Only rarely does he insist uh, that you follow uh, follow these these traditions, and even when he was putting together the concepts for World Service Month, he made it very very clear that there's really no punitive action uh, should be taken against uh, against any group or any any particular person in a group for failing to uphold spiritual principles. I mean, you know, the the person who is uh, who is uh, sinless as far as <laughs> the practice of spiritual principles. Let them cast the first stone, you know. So, uh, so again, uh, I, I believe so much in uh, in the uh, uh, in the spirit of these these traditions. I, I, you know, looking at what Bill Wilson wanted to accomplish uh, with the writing of these traditions, I'm I'm in perfect agreement with him. Uh, you know, where I have problems with these traditions is in is in people who really think they're informed because they've got two years or something. And you know they want to they want to run around and and take groups to task because they're not following this tradition or not following that tradition and they want to use it uh, you know uh, use use these traditions as a bullwhip and I I, I just I don't really cotton to that uh, too much uh, but uh, you know tradition eight is a very very interesting tradition you know you you and I Monty are involved with uh, C4 Recovery Solutions we're going to be at uh, the uh, you're going to be at the core conference next week, uh, you know. So we have some. Uh, we have some. I wouldn't call it affiliation, mm-hmm. uh, but I but I would call it uh, a relationship with uh, some some people in the professional yeah. uh, treatment world. And <laughs> you know, uh, that's as it should be. I believe. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, look at it this way. Our, you know, our primary our primary responsibility is to be at the place where we can be of maximum helpfulness to alcoholics or, you know, drug addicts, depending which fellowship we're in, 
where we can be of maximum benefit to them and to God. I mean, that really is our uh, our whole deal. So why in the world would you criticize somebody who is in, you know, a professional capacity uh, trying to help alcoholics and addicts in a professional capacity? That wouldn't make any sense, would it? No, no. No, I had, I had uh, my, my first sponsor told me, well, we were sitting down at a barbecue and uh, we were talking about the traditions and this guy said, listen, those traditions are written in stone. And my sponsor just cracked up and he almost fell over. He goes, no, no, they're written in jello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you have more of a right to break these traditions than people have a right to punish you for breaking them. Right. And, you know, I will continue to say that because uh, because there are times when these traditions, uh, it makes sense to break them. And as long as, you know, you you have some autonomy and it's not going to affect AA as a whole or other groups, you, you've got that. You've got that right to do that. You know, it's, it's breaking a tradition to have a woman's meeting. Right. Breaking a tradition to have uh, to have a gay meeting or a doctor or a lawyer meeting. That's a, a flagrant violation of tradition. You know, however, it's not really affecting uh, AA as a whole or other groups, so everybody looks the other way. You know, you, you have to you have to uh, have some common sense with the application of these. Well, I, I think I look at it as a, as, as a reed, you know, in the wind. I mean, it's got to be flexible, otherwise it'll snap. You know, you've got to be able to, 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 to uh, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Absolutely. And, you know, Bill would, uh, if he was here right now, he would be agreeing with you, Monty, in in that, you know, certainly the purpose of these traditions is to ensure stronger uh, stronger group functioning and uh, group preservation. Uh, But uh, they should not get in the way of good 12-step work. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that that he would be agreeing with that. All right, Tradition 8, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain uh, remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Alcoholics Anonymous will never have a professional class. We have gained some understanding of the ancient words, freely you have received, freely give. We have discovered that at the point of professionalism, money and spirituality do not mix. Almost no recovery from alcoholism has ever been brought about by the world's best professionals, whether medical or religious. We do not decry professionalism in other fields, but we accept the sober fact that it does not work for us. Every time we have tried to professionalize our 12th step, the result has been exactly the same. Our single purpose has been defeated. Alcoholics simply will not listen to a paid 12-stepper. Almost from the beginning, we have been positive that face-to-face work with the alcoholic who suffers could be based only on the desire to help and be helped. When an AA talks for money, whether at a meeting or to a single newcomer, it can have a very bad effect on him, too. The money motive compromises him and everything he says and does for his prospect. This has always been so obvious uh, uh, that only a very few AAs have ever worked the 12-step for a fee. Now, uh, you know, I want to make very, very clear the 12-step for a fee. What, what is the 12-step? Well, read the chapter Working with Others in the book Alcoholics Anonymous if you want to know what Bill Wilson is talking about as far as a 12-step. The, uh, the approach to the suffering alcoholic and the attempt 
to take them through the 12 steps is basically what the 12 step is. And that really should not be uh, charged for. You know, there's recovery coaching now, Monty, and right. sober companions, and there's a lot of things that, that kind of almost look like they're paid sponsorship. But, the, but, you know, when you get closer to them and you find out a little bit more about what these people are actually doing, it's not in effect uh, uh, what what they're saying in this tradition, which is uh, the 12th step. Yes, they're, they're helping alcoholics, but there's many, many people that help alcoholics, and it's not considered paid 12-step work. You know, the 12th right. step is something very, very specific to the chapter working with others. And most, most of these people, the people that I've talked to, uh, uh, the three different recovery coaches I, I've spoken to, they... they uh, they make it very clear we're not to replace your sponsor. Where that's not our job. Yeah, you know there are people that just need a little extra help. Monty, I've worked with so many people over over the course of uh, uh, of you know the last twenty five years. You, you have no idea. And there are people who they almost need to be mothballed for six months. <laughs> they are their own worst enemy. And you know it's not that they don't have a desire to to stay clean and sober. It's that they're just so ill, they're so mentally ill with addictive illness that they are their own worst enemy. And sometimes you have to use every single tool in the arsenal. You know, it's not unusual to put somebody in treatment center after treatment center after treatment center after treatment center until, you know, they finally get it. I mean, you know, different people need different intensities of, uh, of, uh, of work. So, uh, you know, so I'm not against, although I probably wouldn't be one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not against, you know, the, the sober coaching and the sober companion stuff. You know, uh, sometimes it serves a purpose and um, anything, anything to help. You know what I mean? Sure, anything sure. Despite this certainty, it is nevertheless true that few subjects have been the cause of more contention within our fellowship than professionalism. Caretakers who swept floors, cooks who fried hamburgers, secretaries in offices, authors writing books, all these we have seen hotly assailed because they were, as their critics angrily remarked, making money out of AA. Ignoring the fact that these labors were not 12-step jobs at all, the critics attacked as AA professionals these workers of ours who were often doing thankless tasks that no one else could or would do. Even greater furors were provoked when AA members began to run rest homes and farms for alcoholics, when some hired out to corporations as personal personnel men in charge of the alcoholic problem in industry, when some became nurses on alcoholic wards, when others entered the field of alcoholic education. In all these instances and more, it was claimed that AA, that AA knowledge and experience were being sold for money, hence these people, too, were professionals. At last, however, a plain line of cleavage could be seen between professionalism and non-professionalism. When we had agreed that the 12th step couldn't be sold for money, we had been wise. But when we had declared that our fellowship couldn't hire service workers, nor could any AA member carry our knowledge into other fields, we were taking the counsel of fear, fear which today has been largely dispelled in the light of experience. Hmm. Take, the, take the case of the club janitor and cook. If a club is going to function, it has to be habitable and hospitable. We tried volunteers who were quickly disenchanted with sweeping floors and brewing coffee seven days a week. They just didn't show up. Even more important, an empty club couldn't answer its telephone. But it was an open invitation to a drunk on a bench 
who possessed a spare key. So somebody had to look after the place full-time. If we hired an alcoholic, he'd receive only what we'd have to pay a non-alcoholic for the same job. The job was not to do 12-step work. It was to make 12-step work possible. It was a service proposition, pure and simple. Neither could AA itself function without full-time workers. At the foundation and their group offices, we couldn't employ non-alcoholics as secretaries. We had to have people who knew the AA pitch. But the minute we hired them, the ultra-conservative and fearful ones shrilled professionalism. At one point, the status of these faithful servants was almost unbearable. They weren't asked to speak at AA meetings because they were making money out of AA. At times, they were actually shunned by fellow members. Even the charitably disposed described them as a necessary evil. Committees took full advantage of this attitude to depress their salaries. They could regain some measure of virtue, it was thought, if they worked for AA real cheap. These notions persisted for years. Then we saw that if a hardworking secretary answered the phone dozens of times a day, listened to 20 wailing wives, arranged hospitalization, and got sponsorship for 10 newcomers, and was gently diplomatic with the irate drunk who complained about the job she was doing and how she was overpaid, then such a person could surely not be called a professional AA. She was not professionalizing the 12th step. She was just making it possible. She was helping to give the man coming in the door the break he ought to have. Volunteer committeemen and assistants could be of great help, but they could not be expected to carry this load day in and day out. And, and still today, still today, Monty, there are certain service workers in intergroup and certain service workers in the general service who, uh, who, who receive salaries. There's not many of them. There's a whole lot of people. Probably most of the work is done uh, through volunteer commitments, uh, but there are again people who are expected to be there day in and day out, and we, you know, uh, the, the the fellowship has to be willing to pay them. That's just kind of the right. way it goes. And they also like to talk in this book about clubhouses. Now there are people in different parts of the country that are going to be, you know, what 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 the heck is a clubhouse? But uh, certain areas of the country uh, where where real estate prices are cheap. Instead of uh, hassling the churches all the time to use their basement, sometimes they'll buy or rent out a space, uh, a group of people in, in recovery, and then separately incorporate that space and then allow uh, 12-step meetings to, uh, uh, um, to operate out of that space. And those places become clubhouses. You know, so they're talking about, you know, if, if there's a clubhouse, there's got to be somebody cleaning it, there's got to be somebody taking care of it. You know, you, you really should be paying for, for that. To expect somebody to do something for free that is not really a 12-step job uh, or not really a volunteer commitment, uh, you know, as part of the service structure of intergroup or general service, is wrong. You know, uh, you, you should be, you know, uh, one of the principles uh, one of the principles in this book is self-supporting through uh, your own contributions. And that includes groups. That includes groups that need to be able to pay their rent and things like that. They need to they need to be self supporting through their own contributions. So, if you, if if, if uh, the volunteer aspect doesn't work very well, and you need to actually pay somebody, there's nothing really wrong with that. You should you should pay them what uh, uh, what it's worth. Uh, let me ask uh, two things. Um, one is I think sometimes in our twelve step fellowships we expect members and even ourselves sometimes to to consider ourselves as uh, members of that that fellowship first and then members of society second 
when really we're members of society first and and then members of our fellowship. It, it, it's like, you know, hopefully our entire life doesn't engulf, you know, our fellowship membership within an organization. You know what I'm saying? I do. I, I mean, I mean, there are people that say I will not have any friends outside of my AA group or my NA group. I won't have any, and and I'm like, wow, that is, you're really missing out. You know, the whole the whole point of recovery is to be able to re-enter society as a citizen. Yeah, you know, as a citizen with some spiritual and moral and ethical values. That's really the whole point of this thing. You know, moth, you know, being mothballed and, you know, sticking your head down into the sand inside some fellowship and never popping your head up uh, like some some kind of, you know, recovery ostrich is not the whole point of this. The whole point of this is to, to become a better citizen, to become a better family member, to become a better worker, uh, to become a better neighbor. All of that, all of that is important. If if you're in recovery or if you're practicing spiritual principles and that's not part of the, your particular goal, then uh, then you're you're being misguided by somebody. You know we're not you know we're we're not really interested in people who want you to think that you're joining a cult. You know there are right. twelve step there's twelve step fellowships around Monty that are very cultish. And, 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 you know, that's not really the way things are supposed to be. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to just have dealings with, you know, the people in your particular cult. That, that's not, that's not what this whole thing is about. The, the other thing I was gonna, was gonna ask you was, uh, clubhouses for instance, or even a, just a, a, a group, a, a home group, um, when when you're leasing a building, uh, there's a gentleman here in town that gets very irate because one of the members, the secretary of his home group, uh, her name is on the lease. And he says, what is it about personal anonymity you don't understand? And, and, and I'm, I'm like, it's kind of scratched my head. And I'm thinking, well, somebody's got to be on that lease that represents the group, right? Are we are we supposed to hire somebody outside of the group to sign the lease? I I, I don't get what's your take on that. My my take on that is that's that's a, a complete misunderstanding of the anonymity principle. All right, you know, we're, I don't want to jump ahead because I've I've got uh, okay. got a lot of a lot of ammunition I want to use uh on traditions 11 and 12 because you know, I, I, I've been calling for many, many years for a blanket rewriting of those traditions. Not, not a reapplication of the spiritual principles, but a rewriting of the traditions, because they, the, the language in those traditions leads to such wholesale misunderstanding. Uh, the misunderstanding, you know, at worst is anonymity is secrecy. Right. You know, that, that is a horrific misjudgment of what that particular spiritual principle is. We are absolutely to be at the place where we can be of maximum usefulness to other alcoholics. If we're an, if, if we're an AA member, other drug addicts, if we're NA or CA, we need to be a, at a place where we can be of maximum benefit. And if that means using our last name to say we are in recovery in press, radio, TV, or film, then we do that. We do not uh, admit to membership 
right. in a specific 12-step organization in press, radio, TV, or film. But we absolutely, it's incumbent upon us to do it as members in recovery, recovered alcoholics or recovered drug addicts or people who have gotten over it or people who are former or whatever, you know, whatever language you want to use. But the fact of the matter is that there's one thing that makes me mad, uh, as mad as anything, and that is somebody who struggles for 20 years, finally gets sober in, in, a, in a 12-step fellowship and then shuts up and hides. Right. I cannot tell you how, how annoyed <laughs> I am about that. Now is the time that you need to be speaking out. Listen, you know, you've been parking on the neighbor's lawns and, and you know, puking out your window for 20 years and that, you know, at least let everybody know why you're not doing it anymore, you know. <laughs> so let let people know that, that you don't drink anymore. Let people know that you you you're, you were an alcoholic and you found recovery, or that you were a drug addict and you found recovery, please tell people, because the stigma, the stigma of alcoholism and the stigma of drug addiction are going to last just as long as people uh, keep their head in the sand as soon as they get clean and so. Yeah, you know, you, you, are, you are, are singing my song, man. Uh, Monday's show uh, was dedicated to C4 and, and talking about how... Uh, much of this, uh, the the topic basically was why there's not enough evidence that twelve step programs work, and it's not because it's there's no evidence. It's because those of us who have the proof are hiding in the basements of our churches and meeting halls. Yeah, that's yeah. why. So, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. And and not telling anybody, you, you know. The first thing I do, Monty, when I get a job is I let I let uh, the human resource department know uh, how much time I have, you know, uh-huh. uh, because because so I can be of help. You know, listen, it's a protected class. If if you think you're going to get fired because you're announcing to the human resource department that you're an alcoholic or, 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 or you know, or that you've had treatment for addiction, then you're crazy. It's a protected class. You know, yeah. uh, and you need to you need to be at a place where you need to be a maximum effectiveness. Now, I'm not saying that you put up a big sign outside your door and you let everybody know. There are people that misunderstand and and uh, just don't have a don't have an accurate appraisal of what an alcoholic or what a drug addict is, and they have negative connotations. You know, you need to be very judicious about you know who you who you who you uh, announce that to, but. And you have to do it with tact and common sense, but you don't you don't hide that information if it, if you can be of help to other people. You're breaking every spiritual principle in recovery if you're doing that. Yeah. So anyway, I've jumped on that boat. That, that's okay. <laughs> I don't want to jump on it too much because you know I'm gonna we're gonna have fun in a couple of weeks when we're going over it. All right, on. Okay, at the foundation, the same story repeats itself. Eight tons of books and literature per month do not package and channel themselves all over the world. Sacks of letters on every conceivable AA problem, ranging from a lonely heart Eskimo to the growing pains of thousands of groups, must be answered by people who know. Right contacts with the world outside have to be maintained. AA's lifelines have to be tended. So we hire AA staff members. We pay them well, and they earn what they get. They are professional secretaries, but they certainly are not professional AAs. Perhaps the fear will always lurk in every AA heart that one day our name will be exploited by somebody for real cash. 
Even the suggestion of such a thing never fails to whip up a hurricane. And we have discovered that hurricanes have a way of mauling with equal severity both the just and the unjust. They are always unreasonable. No individuals have been more buffeted by such emotional gusts than those AAs bold enough to accept employment with outside agencies dealing with the alcohol problem. A university wanted an AA member to educate the public on alcoholism. A corporation wanted a personnel man familiar with the subject. A state drunk farm wanted a manager who could really handle inebriates. A city wanted an experienced social worker who understood what alcohol could do to a family. A state alcohol commission wanted a paid researcher. These are only a few of the jobs which AA members as individuals have been asked to fill. Now and then, AA members have bought farms or rest homes where badly beat-up toppers could find a needed, needed care. The question was, and sometimes still is, are such activities to be branded as professionalism under AA tradition? We think the answer is no. Members who select such full-time careers do not professionalize AA's 12-step. The road to this conclusion was long and rocky. At first, we couldn't see the real issues involved. In former days, the moment an AA hired out to such enterprises, he was immediately tempted to use the name Alcoholics Anonymous for publicity or money-raising purposes. Drug farms, educational ventures, state legislatures, and commissions advertise the fact that AA members served them. Unthinkingly, AAs, so employed, recklessly broke anonymity to thump the tub for their pet enterprise. For this reason, some very good causes and all connected with them suffered unjust criticism from AA groups. More often than not, these onslaughts were spearheaded by the cry, professionalism. That guy is making money out of AA. Yet not a single one of them had been hired to do AA's 12-step work. The violation in these instances was not professionalism at all. It was breaking anonymity. AA's sole purpose was being compromised, and the name of Alcoholics Anonymous was being misused. It is significant now that almost no AA in our fellowship breaks anonymity at the public level, that nearly all these fears have subsided. We see that we have no right or need to discourage AAs who wish to work as individuals in these wider fields. It would be actually antisocial were we to forbid them. We cannot declare AA such a closed corporation that we keep our knowledge and experience top secret. If an AA member acting as a citizen can become a better researcher, educator, uh, personnel officer, then why not? Everybody gains, and we have lost nothing. True, some of the projects to which AAs have, been, have attached themselves have been ill-conceived, but that makes not the slightest difference with the principle involved. This is the exciting welter of events which has finally cast up AA's tradition of non-professionalism. Our 12th step is never to be paid for, but those who labor in service are worthy for their hire. And, uh, you know, I absolutely agree with that. And there is tons of, uh, of backup information in there. And, and, and the case is stated very strongly, Monty, that if you want to be an alcoholism counselor or you want to put together a recovery home or something like that, go for it, Hoss. Just understand that your one-on-one professional or one-on-one uh, um, recovery work, uh, carrying the uh, the message to the still suffering alcoholic, taking them through the steps, um, searching them out, and taking them through the steps. Uh, basically, our sponsorship is something that should not be charged for. Right, right. Uh, you know this. <coughs> this brings us something. It, it doesn't have have an. It doesn't have. It doesn't happen 
uh, often at all anymore. It did in the early years of Take 12 Radio. Um, but I, I think we've been around long enough to where people understand where we're coming from. But, but every once in a while, um, I'll get somebody on the YouTube post or somebody uh, will email me or it'll go on our Facebook page or some, something. You're breaking you know, seven traditions or three traditions or this tradition, that tradition. And I, I'm always, I always have to chuckle because I'm like, well, wait a minute. First of all, what made you think that KHLT and Take 12 Radio was part of Alcoholics Anonymous? We, we've never claimed any association. In fact, if you listen to our disclaimer, and then that's, that's where we get the first red flag, they haven't listened to it. And uh, people make assumptions all the time if you say anything that reflects the big book or anything that reflects the basic text or anything like that, they automatically assume um, that you have a position of uh, a, a service position, a trusted service position, or that you're a member of or something of the 12-step fellowship that they're supposedly protecting. You know, what we do here at the station <clears throat> is I, I don't use my – I, I kind of do a, a, a double um, – a double protective shield, if you will. And I've talked about this before on other shows. Um, I don't use my last name. That's why I'm the Monty man. Um, and I also don't, I'm very careful not to say which fellowship I'm a member of. I'll refer to my, uh, you know, I went to, a, I, I, I was attending my home group of my specific fellowship that day or something, but I won't say which one it is. Now people can figure it out. People aren't dumb. But to stick to the letter of the law, I, I, I just don't. Um, but so I, I don't use my last name, but at the same time, I don't say what fellowship I'm So it, it goes both ways. Now, there are places on the website where my last name is used because of FCC regulations. And the, uh, the law of the land, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, but doesn't the law of the land always trump our traditions? Uh, well, sure. You know, absolutely. Uh, you know, if one of our traditions is forcing you into an illegal situation, right? Uh, you know, you have every right in the world to, to defend <clears throat> it. So, so somebody say, well, your last name was on on this page, like on our our page, that uh, our incorporation page of the state of Oregon. Uh, I said, yeah, it is, but I I didn't tell you what membership I you know what what my membership was in. You know, strict strict adherence to the uh, 11th and 12th uh, tradition are are basically this press, radio, TV, film, and you know they're they're pushing for internet. You know, there's there's some there's some stuff that's going on in in AA general service about internet. uh, You know, internet. Uh, I don't I don't know whether uh, whether just because they decide it should be on internet uh, that that can alter the traditions as they were written by Bill. Uh, I think that takes a, a, a larger conference action than them wanting it to. Sure. But the, the fact the fact of the matter is 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 you know if you're not paying close attention, you are going to think that Chris and Monty are are breaking the traditions. Right. You know, certainly nowhere have I admitted to be to being a twelve step fellowship member of any specific variety uh, you know if, if i if i if i have it would have been a monstrous mistake but uh, you know i'm not uh, i'm not admitting to that so so i can say whatever i want you, you can you can have you can have information on or an opinion about alcoholics anonymous without being a member 
Sure. And you, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I know that you've been attacked, uh, and sometimes, uh, sometimes not often, but sometimes <clears throat> I've been attacked. You know, doing the, the media stuff that I've been doing. But listen, I understand the tradition, and I'm very, very careful about uh, about not breaking it. You know, press radio, TV, or film uh, has no business knowing whether I'm a member of uh, uh, or uh, whether I speak for or not. I, you know, I don't speak for any specific uh, 12-step organization. Uh, you know, I, I, how could I? I'm not even right. spending membership in them, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have some opinions, but that doesn't mean that I speak for. So, so it's it's a matter of it's a matter of understanding what the what the, the true nature of the traditions are. People love people love to go after people. You know, oh look what he did. I, I can't tell you the the amount of uh, people that I know who are going after other people because of per- per- perceived professionalism. You know, uh, I, I'll tell you what. Sometimes sometimes in these uh, when in these organizations, Monty, uh, when they form a firing squad. Uh, they form it in a circle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I got to remember that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that is really good. And everybody oh. pot shots at everybody else. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, next week is Tradition 9. AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. This is really interesting um, because we always chuckle whenever this is read. We may never be organized. We may always be unorganized, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Sure. But um, uh, this is... Once again, here is something that can be uh, misunderstood very easily unless somebody really uh, sinks their teeth in it and does a little study on it. So we welcome you to come back uh, and uh, and listen to this on our next uh, broadcast updated for walking uh, through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. Because one of the things I think has really uh, helped folks uh, and people that have, taught, have corresponded with me is they say, now I'm understanding. I mean, they could go to a 12-step a meeting, I mean, a, 12, a traditions meeting, and read, read part of the tradition, and then people share about stuff that has nothing to do with it or whatever, and they don't really come out of those things really much more educated than when they went in. But if they can sit down to their computer or on their smartphone where they can rewind, well, let me see, did I hear him say that? And they can rewind that and play it again and that kind of thing. They're they're they're, right, getting, right. they're really benefiting from that, and they're they're learning. Wow, I didn't realize that. You know, um, yeah. And we don't. Well, our purpose, listeners, is not to get you all uh, uh, riled up so it's us against them kind of thing. Uh, that's not it at all. We just want you to help you have a deeper understanding of the fellowship that you're plugged into, uh, because you really need you need to know. I think it's it's responsible of us to know hey, the, the, the structure of our programs and our fellowships and, and that kind of thing, even to the point of, of cracking over, uh, cracking open the, uh, the, uh, the concepts of service now and then. I mean, how many, right. people, how many people do you know, Chris, personally, that have ever even read that thing? Uh, I, you know, some of, some of Bill's best writing is in there. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the selfish and the self-centered alcoholic, if it doesn't directly relate to them somehow... Uh, they see no value in paying attention to it, 
and there's a, there's a problem right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a problem right there with with their recovery process if that's how they feel. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I think uh, I think you should have your gratitude should be attached to action sometimes. And if you're grateful to have escaped uh, the alcoholic uh, uh, the alcoholic pit because of Alcoholics Anonymous or the drug addict. Uh, uh, death because of NA or CA or something, then maybe you should turn that gratitude into some action and learn a little bit about the fellowship and a little bit about the process that's saved your life so that maybe you can be more effective at carrying that particular sure. message. And, and nothing <laughs> nothing against pouring coffee. I mean, if you guys are new out there and you're pouring coffee, right on. Bless your hearts. Keep doing it. But at some point, I think it's got to go a little further than that. Don't you, Chris? Yeah, I think I think that you have to gain experience and knowledge of the processes so that you can carry the message. Carrying the message isn't isn't just something. It's it's everything. Mm. For, because if you don't if you don't get to the point where you're transmitting this this the knowledge and helping someone ex, uh, achieve the experience of recovery, if you haven't gotten to that far yet, you, you don't you you don't know nothing. <laughs> you haven't experienced anything yet. That that's like, you know, uh, I'll t- I'll tell a story. I'll tell a story. Okay, here's here's the story, Monty. There's this young boy, and he's he's got some friends. He's about he's about eight years old, and he lives out in the town in the Midwest. And he you know he's running around. He's running around with these kids, and these kids start to uh, start to talk to him, and uh, and say, hey, the circus is coming to town. The circus is coming to town. So uh, so he's going, oh, the circus, the circus. And they go, listen, on, on Friday, you know, the, the circus is coming to town. Make sure that you can come with us. And so he goes home and he asks his father, uh, hey, can I, can I get a dollar for the circus? Because it's going to cost a dollar to get in. His father says, sure, here's a dollar, you know. And so, so, you know, one day he walks out on the road and he sees, uh, he sees this, this, uh, this procession going by. And he thinks it's the circus, right? It's, it's, the, it's the, all the circus wagons heading down to where they set up the circus. And there's some, there's some elephants that are walking by, and, the, you know, there's, there's some clowns riding in some carriages. And, and he sees them coming, and he, he, he hands the clown, the first clown, the dollar. He thinks this is the circus. Okay, so it's, it's, uh-huh. he doesn't know anything, and and they they all go by, and the clown takes the money and waves, and and they all go by, and he goes home and he tells his father that he he went and he saw the circus. Now now he you know that's not what happened, but that was his experience. He really thought that he had seen the circus. Mm. There's a lot of people in the twelve step fellowships today who really thought that they've been to the circus, but they have not been to the big top because they have not had a spiritual awakening as a result of the 12 steps, and they haven't, uh, they haven't engaged upon uh, 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 a discipline of sponsorship yet. So they're like the boy who throws the dollar to the clown driving by, thinking they've been to the circus. Yeah, that's a great story. Wow. That's good. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ammo. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that is, that is really good. Well, hey, listen, uh, it's time to close down this circus. Okay. <laughs> and uh, this has been an, another great show. And listeners, remember our email, take12radio at comcast.net. Please 
Uh, if you want to throw us under the bus, that's great. If you want to encourage us, that's even better. Uh, but we'll, uh, we're open to whatever you want to send us. All right. Well, my friends, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Chris Schroeder, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Hey, everybody, it's the Monty Man. Don't forget to tune into all of our shows. We have a plethora of archives broadcasting and available for you on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Simply search for Take 12, that's the number 12, Take 12 Recovery Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Download for fun and for free right here at Take12Radio.com.